Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the staff scheduling app for hospitality teams. Rotacloud lets you create and share rotas, record attendance, and manage your team's annual leave, all in less time than it takes to make a brew. It can also make life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotas, request holiday, and even pick up extra shifts, all through the Rotacloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Andrew Munt, CEO of lifestyle legends Penta Hotels. Coming up on today's show, Andrew psychs himself up for the podcast come on man we're doing this and we're going to do this and we're going to do it well phil and andrew solve some problems god we've just nailed life and andrew recounts a particularly hairy experience i remember this was another level of fear all that and so much more as andrew chats us through his wonderful career so far there's so much to love in here and so many lessons for us all to learn not only that but in a first for the show in the time shortly after we completed our first recording andrew was promoted into the ceo role at penter a huge congratulations go to him he and i thought that it would complete this chapter of his story perfectly by having him back on for a brief chat about that as such our chat has two distinct parts which will become very clear as you listen one final thing before we get into it and i know i go on about this but if you can take two seconds to subscribe to the show and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts it really makes a huge difference enjoy and a huge hospitality meets welcome to andrew munt thank you very much good morning how are you i'm good thanks very much and yeah and and thanks for having me i mean it really no it means a lot it's really uh great that you've um given me this chance and when i look at some of the sort of legends that you've met in the industry yeah a little bit humbling but thank you very much great to be here oh bless you you well you're a legend in your own lifetime in any case so so don't don't worry about that i mean that you know we'll obviously get into your your story in due course uh, and there's quite a lot to to get through but I, I think first of all just tell the world who you are and what you do so yeah i'm andrew um and i am currently the chief of commerce and operations for penta hotel which is yeah we, we've got roughly 20 hotels throughout Europe, and our base is in Frankfurt uh, in Germany, and, and there's part of the story there that I guess we'll get into later. But yeah, that's, that's so I look after operations, and as of this year, also the commercial functions for, for the business so for, across the portfolio. I was going to ask you, I, I don't think I've had somebody who's a chief of commerce before on the show, mm. so uh, what, does, what does that cover? It's a role that we introduced back in 2020 to really bring all of the commercial functions together. So the sales, the marketing, the revenue, the e-commerce, um, all of the distribution, central reservations. So all of those functions that are about driving that top line, um, they're the ones that now also sit under me as opposed to before when it was uh, as, as the COO, where I was really responsible for operations, the brand, the initiatives and, and the hotels themselves. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. And of course, then the operations as well, which kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, as you say, we'll get into how you've arrived there uh, through the, the fullness of time. But let's go all the way back. Tell us all the how way you all the way back. Yes. From the womb. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, how did you get into hospitality in the first place? I'm, I'm one of those guys who kind of fell into it uh, as, through my part-time weekend job as a, as a school kid, a 13, 14 year old, which started sort of washing up. Um, and and I've, I've heard you speak to a few of those candidates and it just happens, doesn't it? So 
I knew what I didn't want to do, um, but I didn't really know what I did want to do until that age. And actually, it was really a sort of a, even at the washing up stage, it was a love at first sight. And this was a National Trust sort of coffee shop and restaurant down in Sussex. And uh, the company that did this, they also had an outside catering company. Um, so, um, <laughs> and we were the base. So you can imagine what that meant in terms of the washing up that would come back from these huge marquees and everything else. So those Sunday yeah. mornings were, were quite something. And yeah, it, I literally started in the, the washing up world. And the couple that owned the business, family business, they were just awesome. And I mean, they literally became my second parents and continue to be in touch now, met up with them, they're, they're well retired now, met up with them in Cornwall earlier this year. They just, we just hit it off. They, I think they recognized that I just seemed to love what I was doing. I think I drove them mad. I'm like, I can't work in the kitchen. Can I come and go work out front? And it kind of just evolved there. And I was suddenly doing pretty much anything and everything at the restaurant and in, in this coffee shop and <laughs> became head of ice cream sales um, out there. Oh, I used to hate the ice cream sales there. It was my freezer for hours and hours with the lemon scoops. I mean, it's obviously informed your, your commerce. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's where that yeah. came from. Um, and then, yeah, and as time went on, I just got more and more involved and I was doing more and more all the school holidays, every opportunity I could work, I worked. I just wanted to be there. And yeah, obviously it was great to have some income as well as you sort of went through your teens. But then I finally uh, convinced them that maybe it was time to let me join them on some of these outside functions. And then that's where I really got, and that's where I thought actually this is where my career is going to go. I was going to end up in sort of banqueting and outside catering or event catering because I just loved it and loved getting all the prep, loading up the, the vans, going off to random different sites, always with these huge challenges as to where you're going to have, how is your power supply? What if you're in a marquee and you've got the storms coming, all of this? It was, I just loved it. It was really made you think on your feet and just gave me an absolute buzz. And a lot of people hated it. They were like, why would you want to put yourself through this? I just loved it. And I guess from there it was, yeah, that was, it was a given. This is where I was going to go. Although I have to say, um, it wasn't a popular choice. I remember my school really trying to talk me out of it and um, telling really? me, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's why, I guess, well, that's the purpose of why you do this, isn't it? I think back then as well, the industry didn't have great press. I think we've had an even rougher time of late. But it, I mean, yeah, I had teachers actually telling me, no, 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 you should be going into accountancy and or banking. I remember doing my work experience at the Midland Bank, as it was then. And I was just like, what am I doing here? This is so not me. Uh, this is not where, uh, this, this does nothing for me. Um, so yeah. if anything, it just, yeah, I guess, further hammered home the point that this is what I wanted to do. But, that, I mean, there, I still hear stories of exactly the same sort of stuff happening even to this day, where, whereby, you know, kids are being told not to go into hospitality, use that as your backstop. For, for everything else and uh, as you quite rightly say that's one of the reasons why I started this humble little show was to try and show to the world that there's a, probably a lot more going on here than you might give credit for uh, as, a, as a career. Another case in point with, with yourself as well. What I really love about that little sort of entry level section is I can 100% relate to that love at first sight with doing the dishes I uh, and I think I've even spoken about this on the show. I remember being thrust into the uh, the pot wash when the place that I was working at in America, they had a massive walkout of all of their Mexican staff. 
the over uh, the debates over pay and and all of that kind of stuff and so it was an all hands to the pump kind of response because we had a busy service just you know an hour away and i had next to no experience and i was put in the pot wash and honestly the most fun i think i might have ever had in my career it was um like it was such a like it's just the hub of everything you know everybody needs you they you know they need stuff from you and so you get to learn actually an awful lot about the business from your as long as you then have which i kind of also made a note of you clearly had an inquisitive mind because you you were beginning to see oh what do they oh can i get involved in that oh that yeah. looks really interesting let me have a bit of that as well yeah no absolutely it's i think that's that's key isn't it it's really got it at the end of the day you will drive your own destiny and that's um it's something that i i just knew from the start i had i wanted i wanted to know and understand everything and was just so kind of in awe of how all these different things came together and from someone walking through a, a door and wanting food and everything that goes on behind the scenes and how it all comes out at the same time it's it sounds so simple but i was just like this is this is so cool <laughs> yeah I, I suppose equally good in some ways that you did do a work experience in a an accounting firm to give you the insight into that i don't want that's what that's not what I want that and then almost cementing that other thing that you do want to do yeah absolutely no I, I don't I don't regret that and actually exactly like you say it, it's it just further assured me actually well you found this and I don't know if I hadn't have done that if I hadn't have had that mate at school another Andrew who's like they're looking for somebody to wash up where I work I don't know if it would have happened to be honest because right. it's I, I didn't I didn't really know in, not a lot about the industry um, and it was, I guess, just got into it. I always loved cooking um, and I've, I had thought, oh, maybe you're going to be a chef and maybe that's something you want to pursue. But no, it was, if it wasn't for that, literally falling into that part-time weekend job, <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I guess we probably wouldn't be chatting right now. Well, you, you never know. I suppose you might, maybe you might have been miserable in accounting for um, <laughs> uh, for your for your entire life. And I think actually that's uh, something that just flashed into my head around is that the maybe that's work that needs to be done in terms of not just identifying to the world that this is a wonderful career that you can have, but actually how do you measure success in individuals? And ultimately, for me, and I've learned this as I get older. This is not something that came to me quite young, but. You know, I think you measure success in how happy you are in everything that you do. And, you know, if if all of these boxes, for want of a better word, get, get ticked, you know, what's to be, you know, and you can make a bit of money while you're going along along the way as well. What's what's not to, to love about that as a career? Yeah, I, I think I, I think that's exactly it. And I often have this conversation with my, my father who spent his whole career commuting from sort of Sussex into London every day and didn't love it. It was a job, it was a career, but it's, and he, he often says to me, just, I mean, he, he sometimes in, in true dad style will stress us that, oh God, the stress that you're under and you're traveling so much and you're doing and how are you balanced? But he's like, but I just see you happy. And that is ultimately, you, you see so many people that are not happy in your career. We just spend too much time doing it. and. You, you can, if you can find something that you're going to be happy in, then surely you're going to be success, more successful in it because it's, it's... Yeah. I mean, God, we've just nailed life. <laughs> there you right, go. Right there. <laughs> we can stop there. We're done. Yeah, yeah, we've peaked now. We've peaked. It's not going to get any better from here. But uh, no, that's cool. So um, 
what what happened next? You you were starting to make make waves out front, as it were. Out front, yeah, and started to do the outside cage. So yeah, then I guess at this stage I was doing my A levels, and we were going through the whole right. What next? What you're going to do after your A levels? Um, and I wasn't really sold on going on to higher education. It wasn't really what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to get into this industry. And so I applied for, there was a new scheme, a new management training program at, I'll leave them as an unnamed hotel company in London. Fair enough. <laughs> and it just looked incredible. I was like, wow, can you imagine what this program is going to cover over the next years and being a part of it and getting exposure to this? you're going to be set for life. And there's a bit of a sort of trademark here, which isn't a smart one, but I didn't actually apply to do anything else at this stage. And I just went for this and um, was like, this, this, is, this is where it's going to go. This is what I want to do. And in my naivety, uh, that was the wrong move, I guess. But actually this all kind of went, it, it unraveled a little bit from here on. So in, I guess I need to give a bit of a backstory here. So. I was born with okay. cerebral palsy, um, which affects okay. my left side um, and basically means, yes, I, I walk with a limp. I have a, a just a generally weaker on the left, but had been, I guess, one of the luckiest around to have had um, parents who made it their absolute mission to make sure I had the best possible life I could and therefore was up. Uh, every morning throughout my child, every morning throughout my childhood with my mum at seven o'clock doing physio before school or whatever, trekking up to London for treatment and so on and so forth. And yeah, of course, that meant you went through school sort of with um, some bullying and it meant you had some demons of your own, uh, those sports days and everything else. But mm. I'd, I'd always managed to somehow, I felt pretty much live a normal life. And I applied for this training program and went through the application process. Uh, had an assessment centre, was up in London. Thought it had gone really well, actually. I came home, uh, maybe a little bit too cocky, but convinced this was going to be the one. Got to final stages, and then I got a just a letter, it, and it explained to me that actually, Andrew, we're really sorry, we can't take your application further forward uh, because we don't believe that you'll be able to cope with the physical demands, especially in the kitchen. And right. I can't quite tell you, so I'm actually just talking about it now, I can even, however many years ago that was, what was that, 30 years ago? I can feel it sort of, the the frustration sort of building up as to, it just floored me. It it hadn't dawned on me at any stage that I wasn't gonna be able to do what I wanted to do because of the disability. It, it just, and I know that sounds naive, but as far as I was concerned, I was <laughs> I was good to go. and. I mean, this outside catering company, that's brutal. I mean, you'd be literally uploading your van at seven o'clock in the morning. You'd be getting back at three o'clock the next morning and you, you've done those days. So it, it wasn't, it hadn't even entered my mind that anyone would foresee that. And the fact mm. that it had never been questioned or discussed as it, it was just an assumption and it floored me. And I can remember I had a, a reg tutor at school, Mavis Flower. She was just a legend. She picked up the pieces and she really was like, okay, we, she dealt with it. She did some follow-ups with, with the company and we got the, whatever happened, it wasn't going to go any further, but she really helped me get back on track in terms of, okay, we need a, we need a plan B and we need a plan B quick because you're coming to the end. And so decided then to go higher ed route and actually looked at a few polys as they were then. So then ended up in 
Manchester, where I did my degree in hotel and catering management. Right. So, wow. Um, yeah, th there's a lot to unpack. Really. <laughs> um, first of all, uh, what I, I kind of love about that situation is, is that, as you quite rightly say, I mean, you're lucky or not, right, uh, with the uh, with the parents that you have and the, the people who surround you in, in your toughest moments, uh, as it were. It sounds like you had exactly the support function that you need at home to be able to, like your, your it sounds like your, your parents were, were trying to get you into a, they were building you up. They were getting you into a mindset that actually don't look at the things that you can't do. Let's look at the stuff that you can do. And really there's yeah. nothing that you can't do if you put, put your mind to it type, type yeah. scenario. And then you have the flip side of that, which is the outside world's assumptions of you and mm. what you are and are not going to be capable of and I suppose that is especially at a young age that I could see how that would absolutely have rocked you to your core especially because you would have at that point you're like this little puppy right you just you want to get on you want to I want to learn I want to see this thing in this world yeah. that we that we live in and, and kind of start making hay so to respond to, to come back from that setback I think is also you know it, it, it I suppose it highlights another part of life is that that is that's all always part of most people's journeys is that there are going to be setbacks but um yeah how, how did that how did you kind of regroup and go again and um, it took a while for sure and, and i really i really went through this whole maybe maybe they're right maybe this isn't the industry for me maybe i'm just being so naive to think oh just because i i've got this nice part-time job and i work with this amazing couple jana rob who like my second parents, maybe actually I've just totally underestimated this. And so that, that took, that took um, the people around me, the, the, the family, the friends, the, the teacher to help me go, no, Andrew, you can still do this. And actually, I look back on it as kind of a bit of a, a major milestone, because actually, it, it then, after I kind of got over this bitterness and this anger, I was like, hang on, actually, no, this is, I, I know I can do this because of what I'm already doing in the outdoor. The fact that at 18, I was being left to sort of run these outdoor functions, everything else. I thought, no, they've seen something in me. I believe in me. I can do this. And so let's do this. And it almost actually then became a bit of an unhealthy obsession because then I had this thing in my head that, okay, you are going to succeed. You're going to stick two fingers up. You're going to succeed in this industry. And not only are you going to succeed and progress and make a successful career, you're also going to make sure that you're a leader that never puts anyone through this again. And actually where, you, I don't know, it wasn't really big talk about that back then, was it in terms of diversity, inclusion, but it's, it was really a kind of, okay, come on, man, we're doing this and we're going to do this and we're going to do it well. And then that shaped, I guess, probably the next 10 years of this unhealthy obsession. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, this is the the wonderful, rich tapestry of life, right? In terms of, generally speaking, most people get delivered a hand of cards to be able to play with and you know go through your life with. And generally speaking, there's always going to be some moments of adversity and stuff like that. But actually what it sounds like to you, and I do love a two-fingered salute, <laughs> I do think it, it's kind of that, the it does give you that extra drive that extra something so Without sometimes you can look at these situations and go actually i'm really glad that it happened yeah and i am i truly am um 
And yeah, as uh, even uh, feeling what I was feeling as I was just telling the story, I'm like, thank God it happened actually, because who knows what would have happened otherwise. And I'm not sure I would have had the same level of drive and hunger to just go for it. Uh, to, to, and yeah, I, I was really like, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to do this and I will prove you wrong. I will prove the doubters. Yeah. Absolutely, I, I love love that. I, I honestly could just probably make a podcast fully about that whole mindset journey that you that you go through to get to get back on track. But um, maybe there'll be more of that as we go through the story. But um, there's a quote came into my head. I can't remember the quote exactly, but it was it all, almost feeds into this quote perfectly. That moment in your life is that someone's inability to see your worth does not dictate your value uh, yeah, nice. and it's uh, something that I remember seeing a long long time ago uh, and I always it always stuck with me because I, I really love that that's all about you then internalizing your capability and actually it's it's got nothing to do with what other people think yeah. about you or what they think your ability or inability is it's all about your your own ability to see your value uh, and it sounds like that you got that through that process in the end. Yeah. And I think, yes, absolutely. And of course, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm naturally somebody who, with, who will doubt and question as, and throughout, but it, it certainly changed a, a whole heap of things. And I, yeah, no, that, that quote's really cool. I like that one. I will, I will use that one myself in the future. I'll find the actual quote. That's not it word for word, but yeah. I'll find it and I'll, uh, I'll send it to you. Um, but in any case, I, I do love a quote. So there we are. <laughs> Right. Let's so let's let's continue to to move on. So you, you've had the the setback which you've recovered from, and you've you're now throwing yourself into further education. Yeah. Uh, as well. Uh, so yeah, what happened next? So that was Manchester, the old toast track, as it used to be called, um, and that in itself was a big wake up call. That's something I realised actually, kind of my naivety. I didn't have a great first year there, and. It, I just wasn't really kind of getting into it and it took a little while to become comfortable. Um, and then I did. And actually, I loved the course. I loved what we were studying. I just enjoyed everything about it. There wasn't really any part of it that I didn't enjoy. So then I thought, okay, more and more, this is, this, you've done the right thing in terms of if you've got to do a plan B, then this is the right one. And actually, in hindsight, what it did was also allow me to have probably one of the, the best experiences of my life by getting a year's internship in the States. So I went to a sounds weird, a tennis and a ski resort in New Mexico. Okay. And this was my first experience of hotels. I've never been there. Sorry? I thought it was hot down there. Uh, yeah, not in the winter. Um so this was yeah, I went out in my third year and it was my first real experience of hotels. Um, it's not so, as a kid, we'd not really stayed in hotels. I hadn't had a whole heap of experience. So my industry experience to date was just F&B um, and, and this catering. And I thought that's where it was going to go. That was still very much in my mind, even at third year uni, was that that was where I wanted to progress and develop my career. And then I went over to this brilliant, brilliant resort um, and met some brilliant people and just loved it. And my, my placement was primarily in front office at the hotel and also in guest services, which in itself was really cool because you got to trial everything that you were selling to the guests in terms of their experiences, whether it was the hot air ballooning or the whitewater rafting or all of this. Yep. And so that was, that was something that, yeah, wouldn't have come otherwise. And I just had the best year. And actually 
to the point where it was, am I coming back? Uh, they offered me to extend. They were going through the, their hotel manager who predominantly looked after front office was leaving and they'd offered me the chance to stay on and do. And I, I was pretty, pretty much thinking, yeah, I'm going to do this. And was discussing it with the uni at the time. And they're like, if you don't come back now, you're not going to come back because actually we're finishing your degree program. So this is the last year. It's now or never. Right. So it was really a big toss up. And yeah, I'm not sure if I made the right choice or not on that one, but I came back and I did the degree right. um, and left with a really heavy heart um, because I had the best time. Although there I have to say, I did find actually something I couldn't do. And that was skiing. Skiing was the one thing where <laughs> that one, anyone can tell me, Andrew, you can't ski. I'll, I'll take that one on the chin. Um, <laughs> but we tried. And yeah, so came back and did the final year um, in Manchester and then, yeah, graduated at that point. What was I then? So yeah, 22. Yeah, I just, the, so already you're 22 years old and how many sliding doors moments have you had in your life already? <laughs> yeah, no, there were a few, I guess. There were a few. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's only when you start talking about it, it's only when you have a conversation like this where actually, yeah, you, you kind of do reflect on that and think, oh, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. But I think the, the, the you, I mean, you can't look back on the, the moment and, and think that you made the wrong call because, you know, ultimately you've had and are having a really great career so far, which we're obviously go going to continue on through. But, but yeah, I suppose in, in the moment as well, especially if you're having so much fun and you just feel connected to something and, you know, they get you and you get them. It's just, it's a wonderful place to be, isn't it? When all that happens. Oh, and and again, it was, it was the first time where I really, really understood about the relationships in this industry, because you're suddenly, you're out there in a foreign country, in a culture that is totally alien to everything that you know, and pretty much the people I worked with were my life. And this is where it really first struck me as to, wow, you make these connections that on paper wouldn't necessarily work, but you just end up with these relationships and friendships that are just another level. And that, that I really uh, hold really close. That, that was really precious. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, I think as well, again, another something I've spoken about many times on this show is that when you're that age as well, have, sticking a little bit of travel and work experience overseas, I think serves you so well, doesn't it? I mean, just in terms of getting the blinkers off completely and you're just you're spreading your, your eyes both in all directions. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I know you've talked about sort of the, the cruise ships and everything. That's, yeah, that's, I, I can only imagine how cool that is in terms of as, a, as an experience and what that must open you up to. It's, it's, yeah, that's a special part about the industry. Yeah, without question. Yeah, okay. So you're back in the UK uh, and, well, finished your degree. What happened next? So I mean, it, it would seem that I didn't necessarily learn the first time around. And actually, I only made one application. So I went to a job fair in Manchester. <laughs> um, and all of the brands and at this stage, I decided actually maybe maybe F and B in hotels is where I wanted to go. So that was kind of what I was thinking. And I was quite clear on that as to I knew that actually having experienced hotels in the States, I wanted to be in hotels. 
and I knew that ultimately I wanted to get to sort of general management level, but figured that my route would be through F&B. So I went to this jobs fair in Manchester, all, all the big boys were there. And actually there was just one that just seemed to connect with me. And it was back then it was Jarvis Hotels. And I just liked what their, I liked their pitch in terms of we're going to build this training management program around you and um, what's right for you. And it was really quite flexible. And so we had this conversation and then this time it did work. It did pay off having just the one application because actually then they offered me. I'm not sure if they offered me because actually if I think back to the interview, um, it was in the Piccadilly in Manchester and we were midway through the interview and the fire alarms went off. And I remember having to go down the fire escape and it was Pauline Brown who was interviewing me and she had to break the glass to go out of the escape door. And then there were these guests coming down without anything on their feet and she was like, oh, oh, oh. And then suddenly I saw my CV on the floor everyone traipsing over the CV uh, to evacuate. As I, so I, part of me still wonders if that's how I got the job because it was just a bit of a, a memorable one. But anyway, I got the job and credit to her. It, she gave me an in through um, events and gave me this sort of events op operations role um, in Hatfield at the Comet Hotel. And that's where I started. And then it kind of went from there. That was the beginning of oh, quite a few years with um, Jarvis, who then became Ramada Jarvis. Yep. And this was where it was at. And this is where I sort of going back to my the, the two fingered salute and the where my obsession of succeeding almost became a little bit unhealthy. I just put probably too much into it. I had some stupid thing in my head that I had to be the youngest general manager in the company. This was all part of this. Right. I'm going to prove to you. And in, back then, it seemed like the way to do that was to become a general manager and be young and to get there and be younger I can't even believe I'm saying it. as I'm listening to myself I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> so I literally I grafted I did everything I was really um there when I didn't need to be there I just and um, I mean I was living in so the delights of staff accommodation but again I go back to what I was saying before about those friends and those connections when you're all living together and yeah um but yeah, uh, Janet Gray was our HR director, and I remember having a brilliant conversation with her. And she's like, Andrew, where are we going to take your career? You've been at the, the Comet for a while now, and I'd progressed. Uh, I had a brilliant general manager there, Charles Rolls, or Mr. Rolls as he was at the time. And he had really allowed me to develop and take on more and more with F&B to eventually become sort of ops manager for him. But Janet was like, we we see, we understand your hunger and desire. What do we need to do? You've got no sales experience. And again, I mean, she took a bit of a gamble because then she gave me the opportunity. She said, why don't you go down to Gloucestershire? And there's a sales Obviously. role, sales manager's role. And I just remember thinking, you've got to be having a laugh. Why would you do this to me? Why would you put me <laughs> in that? And going back to sort of what I talked about earlier in terms of the, the demons and everything else, I'm an ops guy, I'm a good operator, I think. And that's my safe zone. To suddenly be thrown into a, a, a situation environment where you've got to walk into networking events. And that's when all the demons were getting into my head. And it was that was really not just a, a challenge in terms of the role, it was totally, I mean, it couldn't have been further from my comfort zone. And right. Janet knew what she was doing. And she was like, this is what I want you to do. And Again, brilliant general manager there, John, who really supported me and helped me through that time. And actually, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. 
don't think I don't think back then I was brilliant at it. But at least you're learning I, the I mechanics learned, of it. I learned, and that's that's it. And we often talk about, don't we, the opportunities in this industry and what you get exposed to, and the opportunities to learn. And they really let me learn. They really, really let me learn. So yeah, that was that was how that went. I think that happens when, as well, though, that obviously they saw something in you. There's no question about that from from what you're saying. And I, if there's a an aspiration then from the company to kind of support your growth, then sometimes as the individual, you have to a lot of it. You you kind of it's the stories we tell ourselves in our head, right? Around you know, sales. I don't want to do sales. It's not me. But actually, you know, the, the vast majority of the time, you've just kind of got to give it a go. And because it might end up being for you. And even if it's not for you, I can guarantee you it probably made you a better general manager when we get yeah. to that point. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that was the conversation we had. As she was like, if you're going to do this, I want you to I want you to have had it. I want you to know what you're talking about. And I want you to have gone through it. And, and absolutely. It was. And that's the learnings, isn't it? That's I mean, I didn't know I wanted to go into hotels until I was working in one in America. I didn't know I wanted to go into this industry. And what to say, actually, I wasn't going to go into sales. And that was where I was going to go. That's what I, that's yeah. one of the things I love as to, you just don't necessarily need to, matter. you don't know where your career is going to go in this industry. It really, so many, as one door opens, there's, there's, there's so many opportunities. And I think that's one of the best things about our industry. Without question. I, I, the, uh, I think you're pretty much every story, every conversation I've had on, on the show and away from the show, you know, when you talk about people who've really, made it in their career in adverted commas the vast majority have just been open to opportunity yeah rather than having incredibly uh, a rigid set of goals that they want to kind of hit and aim and you know we'll make that and then of course you set your own your own internal goals as you know that you're this is the thing for me and i want to keep moving forward but that keeping moving forward can come in so many different guises yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And like you say, I mean, you hear this story so often. There's so many, there's so many different ways to, to get to that, that final role. And well, you don't know where it's going to take you. Mm, absolutely. So uh, got your feet under the table in sales. That, that's probably all it was. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then, then what happened? Then they were going through a bit of a reorganization back in Watford, which was uh, one of their biggest hotels, 200 plus rooms. I think the hotel's gone now, actually, on the old A41. But went back there, and they had decided actually that they were going to have two operations manager because it warranted it. So one to look after F and B, and one to take rooms, housekeeping, everything to do with sort of front of house and non F and B. I, I guess <laughs> you can guess. Of course, I didn't get the go for the F and B. I ended up in the front of house rooms one, and. Again, got into it and just loved it. I mean, starting every morning with our head housekeeper in her office and chatting through the day and something I've not done and looking at what was going on and looking at the challenges and doing the checks with her. It's just, it's just another side. And then also to take over the, the front office team. And I mean, that checkouts on, on, in that place on a, a Friday morning and those queues and, and everything else. It was just another experience. It was another one yeah. to, to tick off. And then actually Nick, who was kind of, he, he was the F&B guy uh, alongside me. He left 
And then we had a new GM as well. And we decided that, or they decided at that stage actually would just make it an overall ops manager. So at that point I took in on F&B as well and was really, then it felt like it was a bit of another level. Then you're sort of suddenly exposed to a whole heap of grown up stuff and it was busy and big and that was all going well. And then um, we had the opportunity that the general manager in Ealing at London West had become regional GM. And therefore, they wanted an ops manager who was effectively going to hotel manage because Martin was going to be out on the road so much and had suddenly a whole cluster of hotels uh, across the south to look after. So mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to to go do that. It was a similar size to uh, Watford, but it was a bit more. It was a similar sort of setup as well. Um, you kind of had that exec leadership team, so you had your sales and your finance, and you were there as ops, and you had HR and I, I just loved it. I loved everything about, it was a smart move again by the Jarvis team because you're effectively allowed to get on, you can play with a hotel, but it's not all yours. And this was, it was presented as that, right, we know you want GM and do this first. And what better way to do it than put you in a large hotel with a brilliant leadership team with a, a great regional who's got your back and you can run things past. Yeah. yeah. Winner. Dream. Yeah, yeah. Dream scenario. Um, the funny thing about listening to you talk about all of these hotels is that it's it's funny, isn't it, how over the course of time, some of them still exist, but there's like different ownership, different flags on them and all of that kind of stuff. It's just yeah. a, it's an ever evolving piece. Absolutely. And well, I mean, the comet where it all started, we actually had a reunion this year. Uh, it's the really? first time with the first time, I guess, what, 20 years, I assume. And that a lot of us had met and um, we all came together and you, you know, you're not sure how this is going to go. Are we, our lives have all changed so much in this time. I mean, it was, that was what I was there. Yeah. 1993, I guess. Um, 95. And um, you weren't sure how we got there. We met for lunch and yeah, we were still sat in, in a bar at closing time that night. Still just, it was, we just picked up and, but yeah, yeah you, to walk back into the hotel and see how it had changed uh, under new ownership and renovation. And I mean, all of them, they're, they're all in totally different, different sort of states where it's very different in each one now. Yeah. Do you find that you're, uh, the banter that you have with these people uh, kind of is the banter that you had with them back then as well? Because I noticed this when um, in COVID, when uh, I reconnected with all of my uni mates. And it's not that we had been disconnected, we just life had got in the way and... But we we uh, got together and did Zoom catch ups and basically just got drunk into the night on a Saturday is is effectively the way that it went, and all the banter that we were having was as if we were all nineteen years old again. It, you know, uh, it was quite liberating. It was a lovely, a wonderful experience, and and it, it never really dawned on me that actually, yes, everybody grows and gets on with their lives, but when you reconnect with the people that you know, and you get a lot of you together from that same era, you kind of I don't know brings back your kind of you know immature side as much as your mature side so true so true and also and that was also the comment was also i mean that's where i also met my wife so it was i mean great it was both of us back and both of us literally back to that whole where it all began with the people who i mean played a part in our wedding and, and everything else so it was really it was really and you're absolutely right you just you go back and it you sometimes seems to go take your whole way back there in terms of your behavior and what you're chatting about. And yeah, yeah. really cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's liberating. That's what it is. What I love about 
your story so far is is that there's kind of this mix of sort of an outline of a plan that yeah. I, this is what I want to achieve because you you said you want to become the 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 company's youngest GM, but you're kind of just on a bit of a wild ride where the com- where the company is sending you at the moment, uh, but it but it is almost perfectly forming your career for you at the same time. I've, I have actually questioned this uh, a couple of times. I said, is this just what was right for them? Or was there a bit of a plan with me in it? That, And either way, it was genius. It worked out brilliantly uh, because I was really getting exposure to pretty much every element of our business it, with, with learning from different general managers, different uh, sort of HOD teams. And no, it was, <laughs> it was quite haphazard. But actually, it, it was the perfect grounding for, for what came next. Mm. Yeah, well, good segue. Ah. What, what came next? <laughs> I became the youngest general manager in the company. Ah, there we go. <laughs> so there you go. It's and what age were you at this point? 28. Wow, okay. And these are not insignificant hotels either. These are you know, pretty sizable and success, certainly in that period, successful hotels. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> uh, no, they were. They really were. They were. They were big beasts. And this, this was a wake-up call because having gone from that situation in Ealing, London West, so my first GM's position actually was they sent me to Chichester, and this was seventy beds. And it's true what they say. You, you go. I, I went from being part of a nice-sized team and having a huge HOD team. To going down to general manager of this 70 bed property and well it's lonely <laughs> i was really like i remember the the fear and panic as to some of the situations you'd be faced with and you're like there's just nobody i i mean there's me there's kind of a front office manager and a restaurant manager and a chef and an engineer but otherwise we've got i mean it was a real shock to the system. And suddenly right. you're, you're, back, you're back on the desk, you're doing the check, you're covering the lunch, you're checking in, checking out, you're, you're doing the, you're, you're there in breakfast and, and everything. And which isn't something that bothers me, but it was just a shock uh, to suddenly go from that transition and you suddenly think, oh, check me out. Uh, everything I set out to do, I've done. And suddenly I found myself in a, it was work suddenly got a lot harder and a lot more hands on and, fingers in everything than, than I'd maybe anticipated in my little, again, back to sort of maybe the naive thinking. But mm. again, probably if I look back, probably the best way to start, if you're going to do a GM, probably the best way to start it and go through that, that loneliness and understand the importance of the people around you and the, the, the teams that you've got and working with them and leading by example and, and all of this. It was, it was full on, but a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and also very different because it was a leisure market. So it was, right. it was suddenly, I'd been doing corporate, corporate, and then I was suddenly in the world of leisure. So very different set, skill sets required from that, 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 that final little leap into, yeah. into the, the, the true number one position. And yeah. you sparked a memory, actually, when I, um, I, I, was, I had a lot of early career success on ships in terms of I was promoted very, very quickly. All of a sudden, one day realized, right, okay, I need to get away from ships and you know, forge a, a real life, uh, as it were. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I'd been on board a ship and had been responsible for 250 people and, uh, you know, a, a support structure within that structure of 
supervisors and assistant managers and all of that sort of thing. And I hadn't really equated that in my head to what does that look like then when you take a a, a catering general manager's role or an F&B manager's role where you've got 30 people and much less support structure yeah. uh, around you. And I actually I found that a, quite a culture shock. So yeah. uh, it's a kind of realization that success in one environment does not guarantee success in another environment for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Fully agree. Fully agree. But then flip side of that is, is that the realization that if you have that realization and you, you can control your mindset towards how you deal with that situation, then that's when you get through it. And again, once again, you're in a situation whereby you're, you're probably cramming three years of learning into one year or, you know, at something at this point, because it's just all of a sudden it's a, it's a steep curve again. Yeah. And you, as ready as you think you are, until you're in it, you don't realize it's, it's really, it was really, yeah. I remember sitting there at my desk thinking, what, what do I do? How, yeah. how do I do this? It was really, um, it really took me a while to find my, find my footing, find my way. And my default was to just do what I know, which was be the ops guy. And actually it, it I think was my first budget review where I suddenly realized, oh no, I need to, I need to play this differently. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So uh, you are now GM. You're fighting through the the change of style of leadership and all of that kind of stuff. What happened after that? Then got a call about initial style conferences, um, as they were then. So God, you are reeling off the old school names here. <laughs> which I remember thinking at the time, this is a bit random. Rent a kill and hospitality. But, and I didn't know, I wasn't aware, I didn't, I've never heard of it. I didn't know initial style conferences existed. And there was an opportunity in Branksom in Surrey for GM. And, oh, like the sound of this. Again, because the focus, conferences, it was back to conferences and events. It was back to my, my deep down passion and mm. they were experts in it. This is what their business model was built on, but residential. So yeah, thought this was the, the next obvious step. and went for it and got it. And yeah, that was the start of the next chapter, really. Quite soon after I'd started, the general manager who I had replaced at Branksome, um, Simone was down in a new place in Southampton. She was, it, she was going to go on maternity. And so there was an opportunity to take that on and relocate down to Southampton, which worked well, because that's where I was living or close by at the time. Um, and at this period is also when actually the, the contract got sold. And this is where everything then changed because this is when, um, so it was sold to MWB and, um, or AHG as they, they called the, the company then, the alternative hotel group that they set up for this acquisition. And so this is when I met um, Richard Balfour-Lynn and co, and it was a game-changing time. They came in and they, they were like, right, we're, we're, we're turning these, these businesses into hotels. Uh, no more of this Monday to Friday malarkey. Um, we're, you're, you're going full service and we're going seven days a week and we're going to transition you into this. And to start with, we were Verve, Verve venues and then we became Devere. Um, and that's how yeah. that all happened. I remember going to, we had, just after the sale had happened, it was an immediate change. The senior leadership team was totally um, changed around. So uh, we brought in a whole new team and then we were, the general managers were whisked off to Mal in Oxford. 
for dinner and to meet with the team. And I remember sitting on a table that night with Robert Cook and just being in awe of this guy and thinking, yeah. well, how do I become this guy? The guy's just got a, a presence, hasn't he? Like you just, you, you, you know that there's, it's almost like you know there's more capability going on in one quarter of his brain than the entirety of my brain. It, it just, he really, he messed my head up. He blew my mind. I said, just listening to him over dinner and thinking, oh, this is cool. Actually, this is going to be, there was a, ner- a real anxiety and nervousness, but you could understand what these guys wanted to do uh, commercially. And listening to Robert, who was really, I mean, he was, he was mal then, but he was advising Richard and the team and was going to play quite a key part. And you thought, oh, we could be onto something that's going to be a lot of fun here, going through such a transition and turning this kind of initial style rent-a-kill business on its head to suddenly become part of the Devere family. And the leadership team that came in, I mean, it was Tony Dangerfield, Adrian Osinski, and Joe Monk in HR. And I mean, it was just, for me, this is where everything really starts to get serious. This is where it all began. We, we lost a huge amount of our uh, team and GMs. We went through such a period of transition um, and we were just changing. Every week there seemed to be new news and new stuff happening. And I remember, I, so at this stage, I was down at New Place in Southampton and Joe rocked up, Joe Monk rocked up and talked to me and she goes, I want to talk to you about an opportunity. And at this stage in the business, it was kind of a standing joke. If Joe rocked up in the office, you weren't quite sure how this was going to go. And <laughs> so the fact that she wanted to talk about an opportunity, and I remember laughing, saying, well, as long as it's not Staverton, then that's okay. And she went, why would, it, why would you not want Staverton? I kind of like, see where this is going. <laughs> golf. I was like, I, why would I want golf? Um, and, I mean, Staverton and Wakefield were kind of the two flagships within the business. And it hadn't even dawned on me that they would consider me for something like that. I mean, I was in sort of their smaller properties uh, and she said, no, 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 we want you to do Staverton. And I was just, Joe, 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 but there's a golf course and there's a golf club. Really? And so she was like, absolutely. And I talked to Adrian and, and it was, it was such an opportunity because it was, it used, forget I think it was Barclays but it used to be a residential training venue for one of the the big banks and so the business was pretty much guaranteed but they were exiting so they were coming out so Staverton had to go what we call back in those days open market and suddenly you were going to be fully fledged transient and you didn't have this guaranteed client who was in your your hotel every day and it was I mean it was what 240 beds 60 meeting rooms golf course leisure it was it was a beast or in my head this was a beast and a scary beast and i think let's do it um so relocated again back up the country and yeah this is where this is where i suddenly felt like this it felt like the next level and it was the point where and i really thank those guys tony and adrian and joe they really i don't know what what it was they saw but we just seemed to connect and they seemed to believe in me and vice versa i was excited about what they were doing we started to host the the sort of the management events at staverton and do cool things and it was just it was brutal it was really tough and i still can't play golf but i learned what i needed i was like okay how about i just learn what i need to know to be able to rock up every month and do the 
golf committee meetings and be able to hold my own because you're going to get quite a battering as to everything that's wrong and the problems at the golf club. And I just had the best time. I, I just loved it. We went through a full renovation. It was the hardest job at that stage I'd ever done, but such a great time. It was right, so yeah, loving it. Yeah. yeah. Five star hospitality means having the right people in the right place at the right time. And that's exactly where RotorCloud can help. RotorCloud is the online platform that makes planning rotors, recording attendance, and managing annual leave easy. Its simple drag and drop interface lets you create and share rotors with your team in minutes. While our built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rotor out. RotorCloud also makes life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotors, request time off, and pick up extra shifts, all through the RotorCloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotorcloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. I, that, I suppose the, the, the hardness of a job is um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not, it can't be fun, right? And I, I suppose the critical thing, I get, once again, we're in a situation whereby the, the company have seen something in you that you haven't necessarily seen in yourself stretching you again into to new ways of uh, new th- uh, new parts of the business that you haven't had any exposure to and it also just kind of demonstrates doesn't it that uh, like who are any of us if you don't have that support function around you in a business yeah, um you know you need people to be able to see something that you ha- you can't yet see because of course you don't know what you don't know yeah. or maybe in some cases you do know what you don't know and they they then help fill in these these gaps but i think the critical thing by the sounds of it is, is that it's one thing to see the potential in the individual, but it's another thing then to support that individual through what is going to be a probably a challenging period for them because you're you're you'll be feeling vulnerable. You'll be feeling, have I got this? Can I do this? I, I don't know yet. So you know, if if you then are hung out to dry at that point, then it's a very different story, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And they were, and I mean, I remember our figures weren't where they needed. We were really. We really had some tough times. And I mean, again, going back to this whole self-doubt and everything else, you do question, am I the right guy for this job? And uh, can we turn this around? And we had to go through a full restructure of the team. And it was re- it really felt grown up and like the real deal. And But they were just so brilliant in terms of the support, the visits, the calls, um, the, the connection that they sort of set up with other GMs. And it was it was brilliant, yeah. There, I really, really learned the hard. You need, you need that support network for sure. Yeah, yeah. How old were you at this point, Andrew? Let's think Roughly. about that. Yeah, no, I just gotta think now. I guess uh, mid, uh, early, yeah, mid thirties, mid thirties. I right. must have been about. I guess thirty-four. Um, right. Yeah. So, and you, well, you you had a, a number of years then behind you now as a as a GM. So you would have. I suppose understood your style and who you are as a leader and all of that kind of stuff. But then it's about molding that into the individual business requirements that that come your way. Yeah. And it was the first time really that I was sort of a GM. So it was my fourth GM position, but the first one I back sort of like that London setup where you had a really, you had a big solid, you had a huge team, you had a big senior team around you as well. So suddenly you had to then, step out of having done the being into everything. And this was the first point of really having to step back, do that kind of helicopter 
understand everything that's going on, but much more strategic thinking and uh, how are we going to position this business? How are we going to change? How are we going to find this, this new demand? We've got all this inventory that we've got to shift, uh, both in rooms and meeting rooms. Um, and we're going to have to change our ways and we need to shake up our whole commercial strategy and everything. So it was, yes, it was, it was totally different. So you could bring in what you had learned from your management positions. And yes, I knew what I was wanted, how I pitched as a leader, if you like, but um, in a totally different environment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you're in there. Uh, how did it progress from there? Progress well. I mean, we ha- I, I, I loved it. I mean, again, Joe had set up this, the DeVere Academy. I was a, uh, one of the mentors on that. We had just a great time devising this program. And this was really sort of the first time of really sort of developing talent within a business and having that opportunity, which I loved. So I was really in a good place and loved being a part of the company, actually. And then I got this phone call. Had I heard of Penta? <laughs> Again, recurring theme, because no, I hadn't heard of Initial Star Conferences. No, I hadn't heard of Penta. Um, and... They were saying it's German brand and they've got hotels in Germany. They've just opened their first one in the UK. They need a GM and we think this could be one that you might be interested in and be a good fit for. And I did some research and I was like, well, it looks quite cool. And so I said, yeah, okay. So we talked, they said, yeah, they want to meet you. And at this stage they'd opened, uh, they'd only opened one hotel in the UK and that was in Reading. And I drove down there on a, really miserable rainy night to Reading and I pulled up outside the hotel and looked and was like oh god um it, it used to be a renaissance didn't it was that it, what it was used to be a renaissance yeah. yes that's right there go. I um, still got it I still got it check you out that's impressive <laughs> yeah uh, most actually most of them were most of them were um somehow connected and so the owners had these hotels that they were looking to reposition and had been tasked with coming up by um what what are you going to do and they'd come up with this concept and I, I often tell this story now. I walked through the revolving door and it was love at first sight. I have never felt oh. feelings like it in my stomach and everything else. And back then, lifestyle wasn't really a thing. I mean, you had, mal- you had, you had some cool concepts, but in terms of this sort of mid-market, true lifestyle, I walked in, I was suited and booted. And I remember the, the start, the, there were disco balls going, the lighting was low, the music was quite loud. You checked in at the bar, staff were in jeans, t-shirts and trainers. And I was just like, what is this? This is, this, it was like a kid in a sweet shop. I was just in love <laughs> and went to reception or the bar and sort of yeah. um, said who I was. And these two guys similar age to me uh german guys came bounding out also in their jeans t-shirts and trainers and me and ty um and this this was how it went and i spent a long evening with them after after tom and andre gatouche and we talked and talked and talked and they talked about their plans for the business and how it come about and they wanted to really expand they were still at that stage really only germany they had one in China and this one in the UK, but they were really looking for expansion. And I stayed in the hotel that night. And if it had gone well, if the interview had gone well, at the end of it, they were going to tell me, yes, you can fly to Frankfurt the next morning to meet with Peter Voigt, who was the then MD. And if not, you can go home the next day. And I went and had something to eat afterwards. And Andre came and sat with me. And I was just, I, I was just like a child. And um, Smitten. delighted to go to Frankfurt the next day and meet with Peter Voigt. 
had lunch with him and got back on the airplane thinking, oh my God. And I still remember that whole 18 year old experience as that you've never wanted something so much. And I hope to God, this isn't going to go the same way because you're pinning everything on it. And by the time my flight landed in the UK, um, I had the voicemail just say, it's yours. Good. And that was the start of Penta. That, well, 14 years ago, it's I guess. It's really that long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 13, well, yeah, I, I thought you were going to say the rest is history, and I wasn't going to let you <laughs> off that lately. Don't, don't worry. Um, yeah, well, I, I suppose the clearly there's a... This is what, I, I suppose, from the outside looking in, there's always this thing with with recruiters that gets taught to you when you're a, a, wanna, you know, a young inexperienced recruiter is is that be be wary of people who've been with the same company for such a long time but in actual fact uh, you know you it's such a you cannot mark everybody with the same brush one for one but they, they, you know and especially your journey in penta and i know your kind of rough, roughly know your journey it you've never stopped it's it's i was gonna say is it, it's it's a job that just kept giving but i guess i that was a two-way thing i guess if i'm yeah it's i mean i would never if back then i i never would have thought i would be there 13 14 years later it was never it's the same as you say that's not something that to me sounds healthy or but the opportunities somehow just kept coming i mean 2013 we bought a further five hotels in the uk and I was actually a part of that. So I was traveling with the guys and we were looking at these properties beforehand and they, they included me from the start and then they tasked me with basically taking that lead and heading up the UK. So suddenly you had these five Ramada Encore hotels that we were going to transition into Pentas and we were going to do renovations and they were managed by RBH um, and having to manage that relationship. And we did it over a one year period. So we started with one hotel in September and by June the following year, we were converting the final one and I'd set up a um, UK central services team. So we set up a UK sales team, a finance team, an engineering team. And so we had our own sort of little sort of hub outside of Frankfurt, which was ultimately our head office. And it was cool. I mean, we were obviously recruiting. We were um, going through this whole change management with the teams there. We were doing renovations. We were doing some pretty awesome opening parties that we became quite famous for. We were just, it, it felt like we were just on 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 a ride of, uh, of a lifetime. And at the same time, whilst I was doing this in the UK, the same was happening in Belgium. And um, we were opening in Paris. We were opening more. We had a couple of openings in Hong Kong. So there was just a lot going on. Um, mm. And it felt that you were part of something that was going to be special. Yeah, absolutely. So you're... At the point when uh, the purchases happened, were your was your position made into a kind of area or slash regional? Or, yeah, or so I became I, I became head of UK, and we bought in a hotel manager in Reading. So I was still based in Reading, but yeah, we bought in a hotel manager to sort of oversee and run the day to day. And right. I mean, for that for that year, I was literally I was I was never in Reading. I was on the road pretty much the whole year from one one re- renovation into another. Right, yeah. This is almost like the that stage in your journey whereby you were given the the hotel manager's position and you now become Martin. Was it Martin who was the Yeah, the yeah exactly Martin. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And see I do listen. Um and <laughs> uh, occasionally. Uh but describe what that's like then in terms of going because you're you know, 
you, you said that one of your major loves is operations. You love to be involved in that. How do you then, because obviously being an area is a very different set of skills, again, getting involved in acquisitions is also a very different set of skills. Uh, again, how do you manage that transition? Or does all this now come quite naturally because you've had so many instances whereby you've just been put into something because you know you were the right person for that job at that time it felt pretty natural i have to say and i've actually had this conversation in the last couple of weeks with someone who did a transition from sort of this general manager to a corporate role and actually like no it's not for me but i think because i still had reading and it was we were building something that i just felt so passionate about and i was because we were doing the openings and I was so in it from the beginning in terms of, right, I was the one that was placing the orders for everything that they needed in terms of how to become a Penta hotel, what we needed to put in, whether it be your, your plates, your bedding, whatever, your specs, it was, you were in it. And it was just this excitement and level of energy that just, it made you forget everything else because it was just, it was just such a cool time. You were just, so, and, and again, I mean, Andre Gatouche was just, I, I mean, it, it became a bit of a standing joke that I'd almost say goodnight to my wife and then I'd be saying goodnight to Andre because we'd be having an end of day call as to <laughs> this is, whilst he was walking his dog as to, right, this is what's happened today. And and he let me, I mean, he was in, in Germany and he, he let me get on with it. But again, that support network, I mean, I must have driven him crazy with my questions because the step that you had to make was another level. And you again were faced with stuff that you just didn't know what to do. But he, I mean, he just, yeah, he, he, he took everything and more and was really sort of a, a, an absolute legend in terms of that period and just made it feel natural and, and I wouldn't say easy, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but that, I mean, that's proper leadership, isn't it? I mean, get, you've got, especially when you're asking people to step up, you've got to make yourself available for questions because there's yeah. going to be lots of questions. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so brilliant times. And then I was a few years after that, I was actually getting that stage of my all and I was conscious as to that CV that you were talking about Phil, in terms of, yeah, it's the timing is probably, you, you probably need to start thinking about a move. And um, we got, so we're at 2017 here and actually I was looking, I was thinking um, we were going to go into our own business, like my wife and I were going to do our own thing. And then Andre rocked up one day in Reading, unannounced, and told me that he and Alistair were going together. And they were both going and they were going to go and take over the lead at Generator. And we were owned, so Penta, the family, we were part of the Cheng family, which was Rosewood. So Sonia Cheng, Hong Kong was ultimately who Alistair was feeding into in terms of the, the sort of where, where it all finished and her dad and Henry. And they, they, he made this announcement to me and I was like, but what the hell? Penta is you two. I mean... Peter Voigt had been there very much, but then they'd split the company earlier on and Peter had gone kind of to the asset management ownership side and Alistair and Andre had really taken that. Alistair as MD and Andre as senior VP ops. And when you, when I thought of Penta, I thought of those two. This was, they right. were it. And yeah. the fact that you were going to suddenly lose these two people was, it, it was a bit mind-blowing and scary because you're like, this I is- say that probably alarm bells going off in your head at this point. And they, those guys, I don't know, I've never experienced it anywhere else, but there was something about them. It was, it was incredible. And the, suddenly mm. the thought of the two of them going, you were like, well, what the hell does that mean for Penta? And I remember just the sheer shock and 
then Andre's saying, but they want to talk to you. I was like, what, do you have, what the hell do you mean? Do I want to talk to me? Who wants to talk to me? Yeah, yeah, Sonia. Sonia doesn't know who I am. How would Sonia know who I am? Yeah. And again, this was their doing. They had sown and planted that seed. And then Ali flew over that afternoon and we went out and we talked and we went through everything. And they're like, so would, would you fly out to Hong Kong to meet Sonia? This is just, this is just bonkers. So I did. <laughs> and, and I truly, no word of a lie, I truly thought she was just going to say, look, you're kind of the only one who's in this sort of country lead position at the moment. Would you babysit for us whilst we find new leadership? Because the two of them have gone. And I remember walking into this restaurant and I mean, Sonia Cheng's a big deal. And it's, I walked into this restaurant and sat and they sat me down and it was in her husband's restaurant. They said, yeah, uh, Cheng's Probably already ordered. Probably the 64th floor somewhere, was it? <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. And so Miss Cheng's ordered and she'll be with you in just a bit. And then she walked in and I mean, this was butterflies and nerves and she's, the, the respect I have for this lady. Um, and she sat down and I remember it didn't get to a good start because I only had chopsticks and she'd ordered. So I'm there with this icon in my mind. I'm trying to eat my lunch, which I couldn't do because my chopstick handling back then was pretty non-existent. Food going right. And I was like, this is just not going well. You couldn't be presenting yourself in, in, in a worse way. And she's like, Andrew, do you want a fork? I was like, yes, please. <laughs> and it seemed to cut the ice. And I listened to her and I was just like, wow. And she, I, because I'd never understood why she had Penta. Why would Penta be a thing? She's got Rosewood. She's got these most incredible luxury hotels throughout the world. She didn't need, it's my playground. This is, uh, this is my playground. This is where we try things. This is where we can push boundaries. This is where we can oh, do. Yeah. Nice. And it's, it was just a moment. And she said to me, she said, we'd, we'd like you to take over the, the VP ops role. Would you be up for it? <laughs> I just laughed. <laughs> and she said, and would you, would you move to Frankfurt? And I was like, sorry. And she said, would you move to Frankfurt? And I was like, oh, and I thought, there's no way. There's no way my wife and kids are going to be up for this one. Right. I was like, oh, Sonia, thank you. But I don't think, I mean, I'll ask the question, but I can't see it. So anyway, phone's home from Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's the right time for us. Maybe we need this. And so we did. And the stars are aligned. I accepted the role. I, we, we moved to Frankfurt. Um, I started sort of started a little bit of an expat life. And suddenly I'm responsible for all the Pence hotels throughout Europe and Asia. And here we go. Yeah. My God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I love stories like that, though. And once again, here's another circumstance whereby your brain is telling you, they're not going to want me for that. That's, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. And then all of a sudden yeah, you are ready for it and you're, you're in and you've now rather than having a few hotels you've got many hotels to look after yeah. yeah absolutely and oh man i remember i remember this was another level of fear this was okay <laughs> i'm moving i'm moving to germany and i remember we did Alistair and andre's leaving party in berlin and i'd said to all the gms right the next day we're meeting and i thought how are they going to feel about this because in previous years, I've been at the GM meetings as one of them. Mm. And I remember one in particular, the first conference call I ever did with Penta, 
and Alistair started the call. He's like, sorry guys, we're going to do today's call in English because Andrew's joined us for the first time. And I remember one of the GMs going, well, maybe Andrew should bloody learn German as we're a German company. Ooh. And, I, and I was thinking, <laughs> I've got to walk in now. As of now, the whole company is going to be running English and I've got to somehow pitch this right. It, it was, yeah, the, the, the feelings and thoughts that went through my mind in those days. Yeah, that was another level, I tell you. That was some sleepless nights. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and going in and just saying to them, look, I'm not Andre, I'm not Alistair, um, and I can't try to be. This is we we have just lost the two people that were Pentra and made it what it is. And all I can tell you is I love what we do, I love this brand, and I just wanna with thinking about what Sonia had said to me in Hong Kong, I wanna keep us growing, I want us to continue evolving and taking it to the next step. And yeah, just it was that was that was the six months that I will never forget. Right. Well, for probably a great deal many reasons. <laughs> a great deal many reasons. It's actually a running theme through your story. It seems that you are, have surrounded yourself with the right people. They've given you opportunity that perhaps you didn't feel like you were ready for. You've taken it anyway because maybe there's all underneath all of that imposter syndrome is is this person who trusts the people that you are working for and that you take what they say as being, you know, that, that they're going to have your back basically that in, in your moment of need, because I think, you know, a career build of this ilk is a, it's a two way street. You know, you've got to find the businesses that you engage with and equally they've got to find the people that, that, that engage with what they stand for. Yeah. And when that happens, it's a very, very special place and it can affect the the growth and well-being and the that you know sounds like you've not spent a huge amount of time in in your comfort zone throughout your life <laughs> but that's all good right because look at look at who you are and what you've what you've achieved now yeah no absolutely absolutely and i mean that was 2017 and i just i mean out of comfort zone and but just living my best life i mean i was going to we were looking at opening hotels in bangkok i was going to kuala lumpur meeting with owners who wanted to put penta in their hotels it was talk about a comfort zone but the experiences you got and the people that you had around you and i mean by then so then we had um eugene star coming as our md who in terms of his way of thinking his creativity he was just an absolute inspiration and an absolute delight to work with um again just for how much he taught me and he really really helped me with that transition so i had a few months where i wasn't with anyone and then i had eugene and in terms of all of this development it was it was another level he really kind of guided me and supported me through the hard learning of what you needed and yeah and then in 2019 actually um the Sony decided they actually they were going to sell and so it, Crikey. that was suddenly another big deal and you're there and it took us a year with sort of with working with Peter Boyd we were looking at going through this these pitches and uh, due diligence and everything to, to sell Penta and it, it finally happened at the end of 2019 and we were bought by um, German asset company and again we thought okay this is good opportunity for us because actually they have so many hotels already in Europe but it meant at that stage that we were parting ways with Asia so we were coming European so this was again a big change again we changed leadership team so Eugene left at this point and then they brought in a new MD February 2020 Rakir Brachman who I, I still 
work with now and who I need to meet later this afternoon. And he arrived three weeks before the pandemic started. And so you suddenly at this whole new chapter where you say, okay, we're ready for the next thing. So in terms of what I say as to why I'm still there, it just kept, there was always opportunity. You thought the next thing's coming, the next thing's coming. And Penta at this stage hadn't grown to what I believed it could do or where it could get to. And so you thought this was gonna be the opportunity once we had this, this sale and acquisition. New leadership, Rakia arriving, who is an absolute visionary and a true entrepreneur in every, every meaning of the word. And he set us up, he brought in Ben. So Ben had been a part of my UK team. He'd taken over ahead of UK when Ben Thomas, when I moved to Frankfurt, he then joined as the chief of commerce. And we had this sort of three-way leadership team. And again, it comes back to what you're just saying, the, the people around you. And we went through the lowest of lows as we went through the pandemic. Of course, yeah. And, uh, and, but we somehow managed to keep each other sane. We looked at, uh, Rockier always says, don't, don't waste a, a crisis, a good crisis, and looked at right what we need to do with the brand and everything else and how we can use this time to reposition and do. So it just, it never stopped. And in that 13 and a half years, it's never stopped. And I've been lucky and exposed to some of the most inspirational people who have helped shape me. And then Ben left earlier this year, and then we talked about what he had done and achieved and how he'd set up this new commercial team, which in our view were brilliant. We had some real high talent there. And actually we said, well, if we bring in somebody new from outside, this could rock the boat because these guys are actually quite new into the business and are doing great things. Let's not bring someone new into the business and I'll take it on and we'll reshape the leadership team. So suddenly that's how the commercial bit joined. We restructured the team below me and brought in a new layer. And Again, there was just further opportunity, so it's just not stopped. Yeah, no, no, and well, and and won't stop by the sounds of it as well. And I, <laughs> I think that's uh, the the highlight there for me. There is what you said around, you know, when you've got somebody who's at the helm, who's a real visionary but entrepreneurial, allowing you to make the right decision for the business rather than cookie cutting the old decisions that have taking the business to where it is you know and there's a set of circumstances where you've analyzed a key member of the team departing and actually the best way to allow this team to flourish is to get out of their way and just let them do their thing and be there as a support function when they need it yeah and i remember i mean i'd worked with ben for 10 years and i remember when he said he was going and i remember freaking as the i can't quite comprehend not having him by my side Actually, in, in terms of that move and the the way that we have done it, in terms of allowing his team that he had built to grow, is just it's been it's been brilliant to see um, how how they've done so and where they are. Even what are we six seven months on? Yeah, superb. Uh, I'm eminently conscious of time, uh, <laughs> and I'm very grateful for the time that you you've given us uh, today for sure. But uh, before we kind of get on our merry ways what's next what what where's where does penta go from here who knows i mean really it's (laughs) it has been a long time but it's still it's still at the moment feels there's still too much to do because because of the the journey i've had it's bad i would never say journey but because of the journey i've had and the opportunities and where the business is now it feels again that right we've come out of pandemic we had a really rough couple of years we we had a horrific cyber attack in the middle of that that was kind of the most horrific thing of my entire career which was just uh, another level so 
we, we've, we've come out of the other side and we're at a stage now where it feels like, okay, now is the time where we can start to take things to the next level and really take this. So at the moment, I, I would say I'm, I'm far from done. And I, I'm still very conscious as to that question you said about the CV. And, and, but it's, it's just, there's just been so much. Yeah, I absolutely would not be worried about that. By the sounds of of it, you've got more than your hands full there. In any case, with uh, with much more to do, and and as I say, it's not like you've been sitting on your hands, twiddling your thumbs, whatever it is. You know, you've always been doing something really interesting. Uh, yeah. By the sounds of it, and um, yeah, look, I, thank you so much for sharing your your story. Uh, it's quite the story, uh, to, <laughs> to be honest. And, and also, you know, I think going back to what we're talking about all the way back at the beginning of, of your career, I suppose I'm hoping that you've seen a little bit of development in the way that disabilities, for want of a better phrase, are perceived in the workplace. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have that concern. And I think um, with certainly now the opportunity, I mean, I, I try to work with Springboard and look at um, really promoting this and going out and visiting schools or careers days or some of the programs that, that they're doing and did a panel talk on it as well. I think the world's in a much different place. And, but mm. there's, I have this theory at the end of the day, I'm like, if, if our industry cannot lead the way in terms of diversity, we're, we're the, surely it should be us that are the driving force here in terms of we're, we're people we're about, yeah. we need to represent the people that we're serving. It, it's, all about people and i think that gives you just the most the biggest opportunity for sort of creativity and, and inspiration for moving forward but i know i don't have those worries anymore yeah absolutely well I, I i hope that people listen to this and will take huge inspiration from your story i think you're uh, a walking success i think there's so many lessons from your your chat all the way through uh, in various different guises through through your career and i i, I i'm very grateful for you giving us time today and wish you all the very best for the next chapter. Well, I, I feel I think I, I would like to thank you as well for the opportunity, but also just for what you're doing. I think this is such a, a great thing and so needed. And I mean, I I love listening to them, and I think it's just brilliant that you get, have this opportunity to share these stories. Because um, so, thank you very much. Bless you. Well, I, I'm we're leaving it there then because it's not <laughs> that's, a, that's a high note for sure. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks so much, Andrew. Thanks, Phil. Take care. And there we have it, or so I thought. As I mentioned at the head of the show, not long after we had recorded this, the existing CEO of Penta announced that he was stepping down and that Andrew was to take on the role going forward. So we thought we should have him back and complete this chapter of his journey. And there's some great and interesting stuff in here about making that step up to CEO. Enjoy. Well, this is kind of new to me, is that uh, welcome back to Mr. Andrew Munt, who I only spoke to a few weeks ago, but there's a very good reason, which we'll get into shortly as to, to why you're back. But yeah, how are you since we last spoke? <laughs> good, thanks. Um, a lot's happened in a pretty short period of time. Um, so yeah, been a, a lot of discussions and conversations um, uh, at home and at work. And yeah, brought us to a, a whole new situation, which uh, I thought, well, maybe I should just share with you and see if we should discuss. Yeah, I mean, it almost feels like a world exclusive, but uh, I don't actually know when this will go out. So by then, it's probably it'll be old news. But um, but in any case, it, it was. Uh, I think I shot you a message to say, look, I'm going to probably release our episode 
on this particular date. And you sent me a message back saying, hang on a minute, there's something I need to tell you. And my brain went straight away, oh my God, what's happened? And I thought, oh, is this, is this now not going to be relevant? Is, you know, is he leaving the business or, or whatever? But you thankfully shot me a, a note back to say, no, 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 it's all good. And we caught up the next day in which you then revealed what you're about to reveal. Um, so yeah, tell, tell the world what happened since we last spoke. So since we last spoke, our current CEO, uh, Rockier, has announced that he is going to be stepping down from the business in the new year. And then that has prompted a whole heap of conversations and discussions with various stakeholders. And to the point where, yeah, I am going to, as of 1st of February, take over that role from him and go on to lead Penta Hotels. So um, super excited and a, yeah, a, a big update, I think, in terms of what's going on. Ah, tiny, tiny, <laughs> yeah, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely wonderful news. I, I mean, I, I, in my head, I can't think of a better human being to, to, to take that on. And I think equally, you know, you live, you've lived and breathed that business for, for quite a long time now, haven't you? So it feels certainly from the outside looking in like it's a, a, a pretty natural step. Yeah, I think I mean, we talked a lot last time, didn't we? And, and you asked me sort of how it, it felt that these last 13 and a half years have created sort of opportunities and uh, where my brain's been questioning, am I ready for it? Am I ready for it? And it, this feels totally different, actually, um, in terms of having had that conversation with Rokir and knowing not only am I ready for it, I want it. I really, really wanted this um, yeah. to to have the chance to have kind of gone the full distance from from where I started with the company in 2010 as general manager to have this opportunity now and to have done the last, what, six, six and a half years in Frankfurt under two different uh, style bosses and what I've learned from both of them. And uh, over these last few years with, with Rockier, I really feel ready. And um, I, I feel that having seen what he has done and how he led us through those rough times we talked about before, the the pandemic, the cyber attack, and these challenging times, he always said he wanted to leave the the business in a better place. And I think what he's done is is pretty phenomenal when I look at everything that's kind of been thrown at us. And yeah, it's put me in a position where I'm I'm ready. I have total conviction that I'm ready. And as, as you say, I I know the business, at risk of sounding arrogant, I probably know the business better than anyone in the business um, because of everything I've been exposed to. And so to have that chance to now pick up the baton and take us to the next stage at a time where I already feel we're in a good place. I think I talked last time about the shift in momentum. We've kind of really come out of the other side. We're, we're talking about some exciting projects. And so it's, it's nice to be going into it thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm ready and right and just dead excited. Yeah, I, I'm just going to put it out there that uh, I, this podcast has obviously played a massive part in that because uh, there is a history, actually, of a great deal many people who've been on getting promoted. So uh, it's obviously all about the it's, podcast. It's nothing about your own you. individual talent. It's you, Phil. It's and yeah, I, I will be sure to make sure when the press release goes out that that that, that point is made. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. But um, yeah, well, I, I suppose as on the one hand, 
this has never happened to me before from from a podcast discussion. So this is new territory for me, which I'm finding very very thrilling. But um, so I'm kind of the questions are coming to me as we're just just chatting. But describe like the process that you have to go through because we've spoken off microphone as well about that that mental step up that you have to take as well as you know actually preparing lots of different things. It's not just something that you can just say. Somebody says, I think you should be the CEO, and you go, yeah, okay, no problem, let's do that. There's a, there's actually a, a few ducks that you have to get in a row. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I put I put a lot down to Rocky. We talked before, didn't we, about you, you have people around you that you have those connections with, and I think you you made a good point about sort of you you engage with the right people and it's a two-way thing. And with, with Rocky, I was just able to have this really straight, open conversation with him as to I think I want to go with for it. And he he was instantly on board and was like, this would be just perfect and, and what a great story and makes so much sense for the business and, and so on and so forth. So you, you have that initial, okay, I'm up for this, I want to do it. And then you stop and think, like you just said, there's there's other factors we need to consider here. Um, and something that was really, really important for me is the family because you're we're based in Frankfurt. That's where our office is. We've got hotels throughout Europe. Um, I live here in the slap bang in the middle of the UK. And those two are not the necessarily the best combination in terms of how much time you're able to spend at home. Mm. And as, as the as the girls get older and everything else, you're really conscious as to, is this okay? Is this, is this all right? Are we going to be able to maintain the balance? So that actually, that was an important conversation to have. I needed to know that the family were going to support it and were okay with it um, and that was kind of a big first hurdle and I, I I didn't have to question because in the way that they always have done for forever they've just been brilliant and they manage it um, and sometimes I, I think they if I if I think back to the pandemic I think they're quite happy that if there's a week where I'm not if I'm not traveling now can you, can you not go for a couple of nights dad um, <laughs> so that's kind of how I guess that's how our dynamics are built and they're just amazing. My how my wife handles it and keeps everything going is yeah. I, I'm referred to sometimes as that part time dad, which which is a, a bit of a a, a blow sometimes. Yeah. But they just do a, they do a brilliant job. And knowing that then they're on board, you then um, go right. Let's let's start to discuss. So we have different stakeholders in the business. We have sort of um, owners, obviously that that need to have discussions. So there were some meeting in London, there were um, meetings in, in Germany uh, with with different key players. Um, and again, me being me, you put yourself through that as the right pitch and how you're going to do it. But it's just felt, it's just felt different. It's felt, it's just felt right. And they've all been brilliant. They've, they've no one's saying, no one's told me that they've got concerns or doubts. We've talked a lot about what it's going to mean in terms of the changes that are going to be required in my behavior and my leadership style, because you go just because of the, the responsibilities and the role. I mean, you go from being this guy who's been involved in everything and the sort of go-to in, in the business to, to being someone actually who needs to step back from that and walk away and really sort of allow yourself to just have time to think big picture, to really look, do that helicopter view that we always talk about and just behave differently and that's been quite a big part of it and is ongoing and again lucky to have rock here sort of by my side who 
and going into the future to sort of sense check that with me and have as a sounding board and and for him to just sort of remind me andrew you, you can't do that anymore you're going to need to can need to think differently or behave differently so yeah it's yeah the learning never stops does it i think we talked about that last time in terms of it's these experiences and everyone that comes along what what it does and what it opens you to and you already realize just in sort of conversations that you have with these stakeholders actually you're at a different level the, the conversations are suddenly so much more bigger picture and strategic than what's going on in the day-to-day business yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but I, I mean that's the thing is that it, it, i think your message there actually about you know ensuring family are on side is is it's it's sounds like su- such a simple concept but actually how many you can't get to where you're you're getting to without the support of those around you and that's not even i suppose just from the family perspective it's you've got to take so many people along on the journey with you yeah and yeah internally and externally i mean the family yeah you i think you've said it before but i'm i'm not here because just because of me i'm here because of my my family the people around me my friends and um who have supported we talked about it didn't we right back at the age of 18 and how important it was then when you and i sort of had that first knock and blow as to the, the the support network you have around you and that infrastructure and that's just always been there and they've there's been so much i guess love and support and encouragement when if ever you've had sort of questions or, or doubts and just it's it's that's the stable part of it isn't it that's you you that's that's your safe space. That's your safe zone, and mm-hmm. you can you can really be you um, in that environment. And it's it's so important that you have that because if I think back to the, the I don't know the pandemic, the cyber attack, where you're in these situations where you're kind of like this this is unknown territory, and you don't know what to do, and you're working every hour God sends to try and keep everybody going at work, and you, you kind of think you step back at the end of the day and that's what you've got and it's so yeah i mean i'm incredibly lucky in that regard well yeah i create your own luck for sure i i'm a big believer in that yeah yeah well I, so you're going to take the helm in february when will this be announced to the world just so i know when to post uh, this. Um, <laughs> uh yep so we actually um have announced it internally in the last 48 hours so that's been cool we did we've done a sort of some meetings with our leadership and management teams and done that as video calls and actually uh, something i think was a nice thing we did we each recorded a video a personal video message and as opposed to sending out a written announcement we've done it as a video announcement to everyone within the team first sort of from from each of us as to our feelings and the reasoning behind it and what this means for the business and I guess the nice thing as well is that it doesn't it's not something new coming in so I think that's quite reassuring as well hearing the reactions from the team over the last sort of day as to we know what we've got and we're continuing Um, and that's that's a reassurance for them and then the plan would be that it probably in the next couple of weeks we'll start to prepare the press release and do the external announcement first first week of December I guess got you and so then, you know, you can get down to ripping up the rule book and causing havoc out in the uh, the, <laughs> the wider world. I'll give it a good go. I'll give it a good go. <laughs> and um, and yeah, and it's it's also exciting to, to for me to think that I think I talked quite a bit before about 
Ben Thomas, someone who I'd worked with for, for so long and who left earlier this year, which is how I ended up taking over the commercial functions as well as the operational functions. And actually what's even better news from my side is that he has agreed to come back and take on my current role. So it means that in terms of our overall structure within the business, it doesn't change. It's just different people in the roles. So he takes over me, I take over Rockier, and we both know the business. We've both been a part of shaping the strategy and we can move on. And Great same as I said back yeah. in 2017, it's yeah, of course, we're all different individuals. We have different styles and different leadership behaviors, but ultimately the direction that the ship is going, we, we can continue. Um, and looking forward to doing so yeah but yes of course there there will be some changes yeah well and some rule, rule rip rule rip rule book rippings yeah but i think that's one of the joys of the the company you work for is that i, I certainly again from the outside looking in and certainly from our previous chat uh it, it it feels like you're 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 at the helm of a bold company who are not afraid of ripping the rule book up and trying something new and trying something different. And that's got to be, I suppose, part of the uh, attraction of it all really is, is that, you know, you're never kind of resting, sitting on your hands with, you know, content with what you've got. It's about what else can we do that, that kind of is really, really cool. Yeah. And I, and that's, that's, I think one of the best parts about it where, where the company is at the moment, we're still of a size where we can do that and we can play and we don't, have the, the rule book doesn't have to be so black and white we can we can be pretty agile and go in different directions as as to what we believe is right and looking ahead at sort of strategy for next year and where we want to take the business then yeah that's it's, it's it really allows you to do that so um i think we're we're blessed to have that from our stakeholders as well who believe and let us let us do so and try to do different things Fantastic. Well, I shall, for one, shall be watching uh, from the sidelines with uh, with bated breath as to, to how things progress. I, I'm properly made up for you. I, I I think it's it's just such a wonderful end to this chapter of the story in terms of the the story that we told on on the podcast. Obviously, it's not the end of your story by any stretch of the imagination. There's a lot to be done, but I um, hope not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I thank you so much for for sharing your story again. This little extra addendum. Time always flies in your company, Andrew, and I um I wish that uh, well I wish that you all the very best with you, you taking on that, and uh, we'll be watching from the sidelines with great interest. Thanks so much, Phil, and thanks for letting me share the update. It's yeah, it felt like a as you say a, a nice end to the chapter. So um really grateful to be able to share that with you. So thank you. Very welcome. Have a wonderful day. You too, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there we have it. So many wonderful takeaways from Andrew's journey and he continues to be a massive inspiration and genuinely one of the nicest guys out there. A huge thank you to him for coming on the show. We will, of course, be back next Wednesday with another wonderful story from hospitality. But until then, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.